Welcome to Rehash, a Web3 podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Rehash, a Web3 podcast. I'm your host, Diana Chen, and today we are talking all about Web3 video, the creator economy, on-chain storage, and a lot more with Dio Adiosin, co-founder of Glass Protocol. Welcome, Dio. I'm so happy to have you here today. Thank you, Diana. I'm super hyped to be here. So before we dive into all things Glass, I'd love for the listeners to get to know a little bit more about your background. And normally I don't ask our guests for their full life story, but you actually have quite an interesting one. So I'd love to know like what your background is, how you kind of grew up all over the place, and um, how you came to learn about crypto and Web3. Thank you. Um, So I call myself like a digital nomad because I've just been moving my whole life. But where I started off was 1998, south side of Chicago. I was born and I was born in like this little cul-de-sac. And at that time, my mom was actually Michelle Obama's boss at the University of Chicago. And so my mom was kind of in the university, you know, element. My dad was kind of doing financial services with like Mac on MacArthur Foundation. I actually uh, got invited to Malia Obama's first five birthday parties. And, uh, you know, we made it in <laughs> back at that time. Uh, and then around six years old, my dad, you know, got a job around uh, Albany, New York um, at RPI. It's actually kind of Rensselaer area. I think like the first person who made the first NFT actually was around. I think he went to RPI as well. But my dad was kind of just doing investments over there. This is around like, you know, Google time around the time when, you know, Kodak was just shutting down around that area. And I was there for about six years. And then like one day I was playing like football in the basement. And like I used to just run around run back and forth in the basement playing soccer whatever sport it was my mom goes like you're going to Nigeria and so they shipped me to Nigeria at like 12 years old and I went to British International School where I was like the only American in the entire like boarding school um and it was a bunch of like British kids Nigerian kids and that's when like I just really had to adapt like adapting was just a way of life for me at that point and that's when I'm like, I, I started playing soccer a lot more and just learning more about just like culture, um, education, a bunch of just different topics. And then around 14, I came back to New York, but this time my dad had just started a, a startup in New York City. And so we left from Albany to New York City. And in New York City, I went to school in Brooklyn. And that's when like, New York City started to raise me and I became, you know, a New York City high school student. And I just played soccer with so many people in from Bronx to Queens to Brooklyn, like all throughout New York City. And then I also had friends in Midtown. I was like one of the only people in like Hell's Kitchen area. And so I was like a young 15 to 18 year old with the fake ID, all that stuff in Hell's Kitchen. And I was a nuisance and I got into a lot of trouble in high school, but I had so much fun. I played sports and then I like, I I cared a lot about like computer science. And like, that's when I took my first APCS course. Um, That's when I first like started dabbling more and more into just like 
technology, code, techniques, ways of doing things, and just design. Like, I kind of just consider technology just ways of doing things. And technology and fashion are pretty much the same industry to me. And so because I've been seeing so many different fashions and technologies throughout my life, I have that exposure that allows me to see different ways that certain technologies might be adapted within certain communities and ways that certain technologies would not be adapted. And that kind of led to eventually Glass, really, because we we did a startup. So I went to University of Chicago for university for about four years. Three years I played on the soccer team. We literally like won every single year, but we lost in the final four two years back to back. And I learned something about teams. Like I learned something about culture. You can have a team that wins the division, but to have a team that wins the national championship, like then wins and that you know doesn't come fourth, doesn't come third, but comes first, it really takes the chemistry of that team and the 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 leadership of that team to go from I'm great and we're great to just like there's limitless possibilities with this team because anyone at any given time it has a decentralized you know ecosystem of just talent that can come from your right back your left back any position so like kind of like Albert Camus soccer actually taught me everything I really needed to know about life and I use that understanding of life combined with, you know, learning about technology, you know, learning about AR. And so our first company that me, Varun, and Sam started was, it was like a personal map, kind of like ways, but for people. And we were those crazy college students who did this typical college idea for like three years. Like we were like, no, like we kept dropping it to the same friends. I kept going to the sororities, kept going to the fraternities, kept dropping it. And they're like, why does that just keep pushing this? you know, app that's not even really functional like that. Um, and Meaver and Sam were just getting, you know, we were just getting good. Like we just took two to three years to get good, sold to the University of Chicago, had about 50,000 students using it in total in those total three years from like UChicago, NYU to Grand Canyon University. And so we figured out how to build a community around the product. We figured out how to build a product, but we weren't making any money. And that was the biggest issue, like, of everything, just the money not being enough part. And we realized that we weren't even doing a disruptive business model. And so we we kept looking into Clayton Christensen. We kept looking into, like, what is really disruptive? Like, Reid Hoffman used to say, it's the business model that is the, the change and shift. It's not the technology it's the actual way that someone makes money. Like this podcast, right? It's a new business model, you know, dropping this podcast on glass versus dropping it on YouTube. And that's what's going to allow for even crazier podcast creators in the future to be like, oh, well, now it's directly the connection between me and my community instead of, you know, this intermediary who's throwing in ads or, you know, throwing in ads when I don't say throw in ads or, feeling disconnected to an entire community of podcasters. It's like there's so many podcast collaborations in the same way these TikTokers are pulling up to LA to do TikTok collabs. There should be a podcast city of just podcasters collabing. And so these are some of the ideas, you know, we see that were coming with the with the map idea where it was like, how can you find your people and find your places? But we didn't have money in there. And now with the new business model, it's like 
video actually is becoming the most important medium for disseminating information to the world, right? Like it used to be the printed word was the big thing, and that was the Gutenberg Revolution. We don't even have a, a name for the current revolution we're in that podcasters, musicians, everyone's in because it's 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 audio visual. It's the audio video revolution. That's what it is. That is as big as the Gutenberg Revolution. And the Gutenberg Revolution was like the 1450s. And so it's like, we're now experiencing why the next 500 years are going to be different. And it's because of Zoom. It's because of video NFTs like Glass. It's because of live streams. You know, our first experience with Glass was a live stream with me, Vern, and Sam. We were literally like fucking around like I mean like like doing some things I don't even know if I could put on the podcast right now but we were literally on the live stream and we were just chilling and we had 50 of our friends you know out of those 50 15 collected editions we made ten thousand dollars in you know 20 minutes that's four thousand dollars that we made in the last three years you know working on a map application and so we realized live streams might be the best way to monetize on the internet ever, right? And we already knew that was happening in China. Like we already, I, we had seen People's Republic of Desire. We had read the TikTok book. We're, we were not uninformed, right? We knew what was happening. And we knew we wanted to change the world, starting with the back end and the blockchain and the business model and the community. If you can get those three things right, the business model, the back end, and the community, you can layer on a front end. You know, it doesn't have to be the most beautiful front end, although we pride ourselves in beautiful front ends and beautiful products. It, that's not, not what matters. What matters is the back end and um, the business model and the community. And if you can figure out how to sustain that, it just gets stronger over time, as you see with TikTok. Like it has a strong back end. I wouldn't say it has a business model. But it definitely has a strong back end and the community strong. And so now I think we're seeing the first time ever a very strong back end, a very strong business model, and a strong community around video. And I think podcasters are going to lead the way. Like, I think because they, they go in between both, you know, you can be a music creator and you can be an educational, you know, educator. And that's what people want. They want the entertainment and the information. They want information and inspiration. And podcasters bring that. Figuring out how to bring that in like snippets that catch people's attention span, those are problems we deal with too. Like how does short form, you know, one minute podcast clips monetize versus uh, hour long podcasts? It's like, it's way harder to monetize an hour long, you know, clip because it's like, what, you know, like maybe you just didn't even watch it. You know, maybe you're just supporting the creator. You didn't even watch it. You're just like, hey, I just bought this. I haven't even watched the full thing yet. And so that time thing does play a part, but regardless of any NFT being sold, you're buying into the to the creator behind it. I, I want to get into all of that, but there's like so many things I want to get into uh, uh, from what you've just said that I, I want to take a pause and sort of take a step back and set the stage a little bit. So for people who are newer to Web3 and maybe don't understand um, at a core, like how is Glass different from YouTube? Like let's just back up all the way and talk about some of the problems that 
that musicians or podcasters or other creators face in the Web2 world when they're trying to create all of this content and monetize that content. What are some of the problems they face there? And how does you know Web3 video, Web3 content sort of address some of these problems and solve for some of these problems? Great. So f- the first thing is 3% of YouTubers make more than $12,000 a year. That means that 97% of YouTubers are living underneath the poverty line, right? That means that 97% of people that you see in the world making videos right now do not make enough money to afford rent in Manhattan. And so we realized there was a huge problem. If over 75% of the people, 6 to 17, want to be YouTube creators, but 97% of those people are not going to make more than you know, $12,000 a year, they're not going to be able to sustain a living. We knew that it was unsustainable, the desire, the demand to make videos, but actually being able to financially sustain that, to have the business model to sustain that, we realized it wasn't there. And what Glass enables is it enables you to care less about how many views you get and more about who is watching your content and who is willing to pay for your content. Right. And so now it creates a more one to one relationship between the creator and the viewer that now the the quality of the content, the quality of the relationship improves because that person there is collecting your they're actually they can collect that moment of information that you share. They could buy something from you. They could collect it and get access to a long-term relationship with you. Um, And what you buy is who you are more than what you say is. And now if people have a way to buy into artists they believe in, buy into ideas like the Rehash podcast, we believe in Rehash. We believe that Web3 information led by women, led by community creation, community voting, like that, we... the people want to see this. We need more of this. We need more of that representation. And so you can now buy into what you want to see more of in the world. And that's really one of the biggest things that uh, Web3 does. But long story short, instead of only 3% of creators making more than $12,000 on class, we've been able to do that for over 20 creators. And we've done 80 creators. So we've only you know done 80 creators. So we're just getting started averaging anywhere between $1,000 to $45,000 on one video NFT for a creator. We've sold podcasts. Um, we've sold educational videos. We've sold um, gaming, sports. And, you know, NBA Top Shot itself is just one category of video NFTs. So I'm very excited for the new categories that are coming up like podcasting, and and it's really up to the leaders of those categories to really make those markets as big as they want to. Okay, so explain how that would work for, like, just let's just take one creator for uh, an example, somebody who's made a good chunk of money on glass. When this person makes a video, instead of uploading it to YouTube, they would upload it to glass, and then what happens next? Like, walk us through the process. So... Creator wants to upload a video, right? They can upload it to YouTube and Glass, 
right? It's very fine. We actually like that just because the more people that see that file, the more valuable it is uh, to people, um, kind of like the Mona Lisa. And so they uploaded to Glass, you know, probably a week before they uploaded to YouTube, right? And they DM their collectors, you know, creators, community members, hey, I got this new drop. It's it's going to be monetizable in Glass. Um, and I'm also talking about some awesome information that you might want to check out. And then they send that out to the community. Community comes for the date of the drop. Then, boom, the community you know, buys, apes in. We like to think about more accessible pricing for your community so that you can get to like a thousand, you know, true fans that bought your podcast for a hundred dollars and you make a hundred K on a podcast. And so after people buy that primary sale, then some people might buy it on secondaries, right? Some people might say, Hey, like I really want that podcast, but I wasn't there, you know, when they did the primary sale drop and I wasn't able to get one or I didn't have enough ETH or whatever, Solana. And then someone else would go and buy it on secondaries. And so we always say there's there's a pre-drop, there's a during drop, and there's a post-drop. And the pre-drop you would do with Twitter spaces, then you would go to the glass platform and, and, and sell out. Then you would go to like Twitter, other social media, and talk about what just happened and let people know what, what's going on. And that would really continue as long as like that content is, I guess, is, is relevant to the creator or to whatever. So it really is content dependent and creator dependent how long term that that piece is is, I guess, valuable to that creator or even that collector. And creators should creators are the founders of the crypto creator economy. Like um Music video NFTs creators are really the pioneers of it. They're kind of like the runners to Nike. But I think podcasters are kind of like, you know, the the rowers or whatever. Whatever Nike did after running, podcasting is kind of like that thing. And so it, the, the video NFT goes as far as the creator wants it to go. Um, and it can connect with whoever the creator wants it to connect with. It's just a very direct approach of distribution rather than like a spray and see what happens. Got it. Okay. So in terms of like more of the technical components, are these NFTs sold as one of ones or as additions, or does the creator have the option of that? And then I'm also wondering too, uh, in terms of like the actual storage, because most NFTs that we see nowadays are actually not stored fully on chain. I've talked about this on past podcasts, but I'm not sure if people know this. Most NFTs are just the transaction hash is stored on chain. And then the actual file of the image, for instance, if it's an art NFT, is stored off chain somewhere like on an AWS or something. I'm curious, how does Glass store the video NFTs that are uploaded to its platform? Yeah, so we use a hybrid approach, you know, where we'll use Arweave and, you know, as well as, you know, centralized servers, you know, like Google Cloud or something like that, um, just to ensure the quality if, you know, Arweave's ever lacking. But one thing we care about is the user should own their relationship to the content and to the community that wants that content. Glass should not have any way to, like, say like glass went down tomorrow, you should still be able to view that video from our weave or something like that. 
And so we use Arwe for, for storage because we think to the ethos of community ownership, community creation, community growth, that trust matters a lot. And having ownership of that file, that if anything were to happen to Glass, you know that your file, you still have that ownership. You still have the relationships that you were able to make off of that file. And then what about the uh, the like additions part? Do creators have the option of releasing a one-on-one or additions? And then do, can they set their own prices or is something built into the platform for like a starting price? So w- at Glass, we've gone through so much evolution from the first live stream in August that like, I can't really say anything in final on whether or not it's just one-on-ones or just additions. What I can say is that We've tried one-on-one auctions. We've tried limited editions. We pioneered liquid editions, Prism, you know, where you could buy an NFT, almost like an AMM for NFTs and liquidate it and get the cash out. All we can say is we've tried all of these. And right now with where Web3 is at, we think limited editions is probably the best thing in the short term. And making sure that the supply of the limited editions that you offer on your initial drop is lower, you know, the supply is 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 low to create more scarcity for that um video NFT. We see with Top Shot they're they're offering like two thousand, you know, additions at seven dollars. We love that price point. Um but the number of additions is is a very high for us where it's like two thousand that might be a lot. So it's like we think maybe increasing the price point and decreasing the supply regardless i think the goal is a thousand editions sold um at a hundred dollars like that that is a goal that we think we can help creators get to and there's two things that glass does we help you sell your video nft whatever category it is and we'll help you hype it and help you figure out an audience that you know may may want to collect it you know and so those are the two things help you sell help you hype and it requires a really good tool, you know, the video process, the quality has to be really good. But we've seen, you know, it's hard for a creator to know what they want to monetize at. Like, it's like, you know, we came in, you're seeing the one ETH on catalog, right? Then you saw the addition. Some people saw the nifty gateway blouse sales. It's like economics does happen. Incentives does come to every industry. And the prices are going to go down, but the thing that is going to go up is the amount of people in the Web3 ecosystem, right? And so that's what we need because it's like you actually want more people who are like, oh, this is awesome. And you actually want more people who appreciate it rather than just a small bubble of like a thousand to two thousand, you know, music NFT creators where it's like it's not really affecting the, the outside world. You know, we're here to grow or die. You know, we're here to scale and grow at an engineered rate where people are bringing in like their, their core friend group, you know, and then after the core friend group collects an NFT, some of them are going to say, I don't care. Some of them are going to say, I care. And then we want them to bring in the next group. And so it's just like that slow growth stage, that 2004, 2006 stage that Facebook was in, you know, that's, where we are we're in that 05 youtube stage where it's like we need to just get more people to believe in decentralized video 
more people to believe in video NFTs and showing as many ways as as possible that your skill could be represented and not caring too much about the monetization because it will come. But monetization comes with community. So it's creation, community, compensation. And if your creation's good and your community's strong, compensation will handle itself, right? But you really want to make sure that the community is growing strong and the creation is strong as well. Yeah, I, I think like theoretically, it's not too hard to get creators on board with decentralized media. I think it's conceptually like it makes sense to anyone who's been a creator. But I think the hard part and like the reason why people still use YouTube and why musicians still go on Spotify just to earn pennies on their music is because those are the big platforms that everybody knows. And that's how they get distribution is through those big platforms that everybody knows about and that everybody uses. And I think that's sort of the trade-off, at least from the people that I've talked to who are creators, like that's the trade-off I've heard them express the most. So I'm curious, um, can you go into more detail about how Glass helps with distribution and helps get the content that's on Glass seen by more people. Of course, you know, creators should be bringing in their own communities and bringing in their own fans. But is there anything that Glass does on top of that to help the content on Glass get seen by more people? Yeah. So with Glass, we have like a a marketing checklist that we like give to all of our creators um, now. Um, And we also have a community on Twitter of just like around 11k followers, and you know, like you know, Sam has a good following. My following's growing. Instagram following is you know approaching you know three four k, and then you know we haven't even started the TikTok yet. And so I think when it comes to distribution, we like to focus on let's make sure we have the Web three community aligned because it's a small community. And then let's also, you know, make sure that we're bringing each person in one by one. Like we have a very one-to-one philosophy for distribution just because it's so, it's like video NFTs are relatively new to most people that it's like they, they'll just need like at least a conversation about like, okay, like how does it really work? Like, okay, I have a video file. What file size do you guys take? MP4s, .movs, and we'll run our creator through everything that we except how it goes. The upload process is just like, you know, YouTube's upload. All you do is add in the monetization and you choose what, you know, the, you know, monetization style, whether it's auctions, limited editions, liquid editions, and then you, you know, set a countdown timer waiting for the drop, boom, set a countdown timer, and then Glass comes in and we're like, hey, we'll do a Twitter spaces with you. And we'll do a Twitter spaces getting like 50 to like 100 people in the spaces and it'll be mainly creators, some collectors, just pretty much just talking about, you know, what was the process behind this creation? Why are you in Web3? What were you feeling in Web2? And typically creators are going to say Web2 felt unsustainable, disconnected to other creators, unsustainable in terms of money. You felt like a slave, indentured servant, uh, almost robotic. At any given time, you could get rug pulled, you know, in Web2. At any given time, you know, they're going to ha- help you build an audience and then throw ads in and make you pay to reach that audience. And so we knew the business models were just not, those were the biggest problem with Web2, the business model. And so 
with that, we like to educate people in those Twitter spaces with the creators on like, what are the problems we're facing? How do we actually get over this? What is a disruptive innovation versus a sustaining innovation um, or efficiency innovation? And how did like, how does this actually happen? And what what's happening is it's like, we're, there's a whole new medium of new stars on glass right now. It's like some of those creators on glass, like Drake is in their DMs right now asking for beats. And it's like, you know, it's like 27 Delhi is Ferg's little brother. Like Salem Marley is Lauren Hill's daughter. Right. So it's like, it's not like the creators on glass aren't going to be the big, biggest stars in the next two to three years. They actually are. And they're currently like doing all the awesome things that are behind the scenes that, you know, before you get up like the, you know, Balenciaga show at the New York Stock Exchange. But um, I think the big thing is like bringing the creators in, making sure that the glass communities and the Twitter spaces, the creator communities and the Twitter spaces, you know, connecting people in the discord and then just always, you know, having a couple of templates files that creators can send out to potential collectors that starts with, you know, connect your MetaMask wallet, you know, have this amount of money to buy the NFT. This is how you buy it. We're going to get all into that educational stuff. I mean, we do do video NFTs. So it's like expect a lot of video education from us coming but how blockchain is going to succeed is like, you know, glass kind of is like, you know, like, like you have the blockchain, which is like ETH. Then you have, you know, ETH or Solana, right? Right now I'm pretty bullish on Solana um, just because it's like a hardware background team and the price is low right now and the gas fees are very cheap um, for creating and collecting and the community is pretty strong. And they're growing rapidly. And a lot of the people that I know that are like are interested in crypto, they're they're also interested in Solana and their developers are very talented, like really, really good. And so ETH Solana, it's like, okay, what do you choose as a platform, right? Platform like Glass, we're gonna choose ETH and Solana, right? Then after we choose ETH and Solana, you know, then it's like, you know, creators, what are they gonna choose? What platform are they gonna choose, right? They're gonna choose the platform. And they're going to get the, the coin that the platform uses that does their job the best, right? The job to be done for video creators is to sell video NFTs and to make them hype and to dis- distribute them, right? We do a, YouTube does a thousand views, $2, a million views, $200. TikTok does a thousand views, 50 cents. The more users that get on TikTok, the less money you make, right? And so... We always said, let's 10x to 100x this video compared to YouTube and TikTok. And we've been doing that consistently. We average 500x on that, right? And so that's the first thing that creators want. It's like, help me make money on this video. And it's like, you could easily sell this video to one person and you'll probably 100x what you did on YouTube, right? And so that's the first thing. When on monetization, because all TikTokers make YouTubes because of monetization. And so they'll, why wouldn't they make a glass if it monetizes better? So it's like, that's the basic obvious point that like you're using glass for monetization and community, not distribution. Over time, I do think, you you know, once we build out this new product that I'd love to show you guys that we have coming in the month of June, the salon design that's going to totally change the total trajectory uh, this summer, once we build that, I think people are going to start to see like what we really mean. We're creating the first video market network in Web3. That's a marketplace 
social network, SaaS tool, all in one, right? It's like, you want that data. We want it too, you know? And so it's really all about creating that, that tool that any video creator could, could use to, to run their business. Yeah, I think that's super cool. And uh, the way I hear it is like your distribution strategy is almost like very tethered in community, but um, in a different way, in, in a in a way where you care more about quality over quantity of your community. And I think that's very reminiscent of the Web3 space in general. I almost think, you know, that in Web3, that distribution is a little less important than in Web2. And that's the whole, you know, a thousand true fans that you've alluded to, or even I think, you know, Legion's interpretation of that 100 true fans, scaling that down even more. So it really is about quality over quantity. And I think it's pretty clear hearing you talk about it that that's something that Glass has done really well. And that comes really from your childhood, like playing soccer for your whole life and what you've learned about community building from being on a team and playing on a team for so long. I would love to hear your thoughts on what are some of your best community building strategies, maybe like what you think people do really well, what you think people are missing and that they should be doing, or even some things that you think people are doing wrong and uh, that are, you know, be more detrimental than helpful? Yes, I'll start with like what I think people are doing right, um, which is just like people are reaching out, like people are being braver. Like the one thing is like you cannot be scared, like scared money does not make any money. I like what Rehash did by just running a whole contest like I don't even know what it fully was but I was interested and now I'm here and so it's like that that's a great sign of community almost just enforcing connection like that works all the time like when my mom used to force me to like do swimming lessons or force me to do all the types of things she used to force me to do I always look back and I'm like thank you for forcing me to learn French at like seven years old and like forcing me to do these things because now I'm a way better human being And so kind of like not forcing people to do things, but like pushing activities on to people that you know is going to be beneficial for them. You have to do that as a community member. So like nudging, like getting good at nudging, crucial skill. Then I would say figuring out the cadence, you know, having the the tool, like you want to have a note that's like, oh, you have your Calendly set up, you have, you know, your, the time off, you have your boundaries, you have your values, like those, like some people have been doing that. Some people haven't, but like I would say, get your calendar set up, get your values set up, get your list of people who you really think can help you leverage wherever you're trying to go to the next location, and then just execute on that list and hold your values. Like every single conversation you come in, you should know what you actually value in that combo. Like at Glass, we value championing the mission, right? That's community owned, community created, community grown, video market network you know, allowing transparent monetization for billions of video creators and video viewers. And we're going to start with creators collecting from creators because that's what started, you know, that's where it all started from. Creators were collecting from creators. And then eventually the fans of those creators started looking at where the creators were collecting and started collecting from the creators that the creators were collecting from. And so there's 37 million YouTube YouTubers with YouTube channels. There's 2 billion YouTube users if you're in Web3 right now, you need to be the, the people with the channels. You need to be the people that the people are coming to YouTube to see. You need to be the people that are interacting 
going out, establishing those relationships, doing co-hosted spaces, all the alphas in the spaces. Like, either you, you know, like the spaces do matter. Like, people do have a lot of good content in the spaces. Of course, a lot of it misses, but the few spaces that hit, they hit very hard and you make lifelong relationships just like that. That's why Clubhouse, you know, did it, you know, because it was making lifelong relationships. Um, and so I, I would just say set your values, have your calendar set up, and just know who you want to connect with and do that research. Read Token Economy, you know, spend that one day just reading and educating yourself on the ecosystem and then find that core group of people and and, and, and build with them. I love that. And then the last thing is something else you, that you talked about in the beginning of this is having that business model that works, right? And that's something that you learned from your past businesses and just overall experience. I'm curious, what is Glass's business model? How does Glass make money? That's a great question. Um, I thought you weren't supposed to ask. <laughs> I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, so how does Glass make money? So how we started was we were like taking like 10% on the primary sales uh, on ETH. Um, but where we're going to go is taking 0% on primary sales and taking 2% on secondary sales and becoming the first secondary video NFT marketplace. So kind of like you could say like OpenSea just for video NFTs. Like, yeah, that's what we're going to do, I guess. But it, the experience is going to be like YouTube meets StockX. Yeah, I mean, we make money in the future off of secondaries. In the past, we made it off of primaries. We're also thinking of other ideas like collect to create, where if you want to be a creator, you have to collect something first and then you can create. And that just like helps you give to the community before, you know, I guess you take. Yeah, so we're we're trying a lot of we have a lot of like interesting things just around viewing. Like like we said, the mission is community rapidly create a world class community owned, community created, community grown video market network that creates transparent monetization for billions of video creators and viewers. And so just keep that in mind because that's that's what we're going to really be focusing on, how to create income for creators and viewers. So yeah, I think the 2 billion viewers on YouTube, they're also going to make more money on Glass. And we're going to focus on the creators first um, and creators supporting creators. And I think eventually people are going to follow where their favorite creators are. I love that. Well, Dio, thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to us. I know you've got to head out. Last thing we do on every podcast episode is we play a quick little game to sort of just loosen it up. We've been talking about very serious things. So uh, I've got a game for you. It's called This or That. I'm going to give you two words, A or B, and then you just tell me which one you prefer. There's no explanation needed. We'll just do a lightning round and blow through this. So I've got 10 pairs of words for you, and we'll just blow through this super quick, all right? Okay, first one, Bitcoin or Ethereum? Ethereum. Crypto or Web3? Crypto. DAOs or NFTs? NFTs. Bear market or bull market? It's <sighs> hard. Bullish bear market. <laughs> 
I don't know. That's that's. I feel like that's cheating the game a bit. But okay, we'll accept it. We'll accept it. Next right. one: audio or video? Video. Books or podcasts? Mm, books, books. I got it with books. Books or videos? Video books. Big fan of video books. <laughs> what is a video book? <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Okay. Um, next one. Show or tell? Show. Creating or collecting? So I believe every great creator is first a collector, so I'm going to have to go with collecting. Okay. And then last one, past or future? Future. All right. Okay. I feel like you kind of cheated the game a little <laughs> bit a couple times in there, but uh, it's clever. I like it. I'm still looking forward to finding out what a video book is. So please DM me when you've got your first video I book. I have, I have a video book that I already have on my mind right now. It's called How Buildings Learn. It's the first video book I ever watched, but that's a very interesting video book. All right. Send that to me. I'm very curious to see it. <laughs> interesting. Uh, okay. So before you go, tell people where they can find you, if they want to follow you, learn more from you, and then also where people can go to check out Glass. If somebody listening is a creator and wants to get their videos on Glass, uh, how do they get started? Yes, yeah, so you can find me at Dio Adiosin 10. That's Dio, like Cinco de Mayo with the D, uh, Cinco de Dio, and D A Y O A D E O S U N 10 on, I think, Instagram and Twitter at D A Y O A D E O S U N 10. And then Glass Protocol, at Glass Protocol on Twitter. And then at glass.xyz on Instagram um, and hop into the Glass Discord, which you can find you know, through the Glass Twitter um, and through the Glass website. If you want to just go check out some videos on Glass, go to glass.xyz and go check out the videos. We have an entirely new updated design coming next month um, with gamification, a lot of cool things coming. Um, and then... We, if you want to create on Glass, just go to glass.xyz, click create, and fill up that type form, and we'll get back to you, or DM at dioadiosin10, or I think my username is like dio.glass, parentheses, two eyes, and uh, uh, yeah, that's where you'll find me. Awesome. Thank you so much, and you can also find this episode on glass once it's yeah. live and you're hearing this so uh, and as well as all the other rehash episodes in season two so go check that out as well you can collect this episode if you enjoyed it um and you know say you're one of the owners of this episode which is pretty exciting so thanks so much dio uh, thank you everybody for tuning in and we will be back again very soon with another episode of rehash thank you for tuning in to this episode of rehash a web3 podcast the guest from this episode, Dio Adiosin, was nominated by Tyler Internet and voted onto the podcast by Triumph, Andrew, Diana, Tyler Internet, and Ellie Dots. Some of the questions you heard were submitted by Karsten, Andy, and Tyler Internet. Rehash is hosted by Diana Chen, produced and edited by Ellie Dots and Tyler Internet, and as always, supported by Rehash Dow.
To stay up to date on all things Rehash, you can follow us on Twitter at RehashWeb3 and join our Discord to get involved.